Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. The Bowery Boys, Episode 79, The Legend of the Wyos. Hey, it's the Bowery Boys. Hey. The Bowery Boys is brought to you by Eurocheapo.com. Eurocheapo editors personally visit and review the best budget hotels in Europe. Now with hotels in New York City. On the web at Eurocheapo.com. Hello, welcome to the Bowery Boys. My name is Greg Young with a short, violent episode for you this week. I am, unfortunately, about to sully the very name of the Bowery Boys by spending some time talking about a group of criminals that would have probably most likely been the Bowery Boys' mortal enemies, although they reached their heights of powers in different generations. I'm talking today about the rough-and-tumble five-points game called The Wyos. That's W-H-Y-O. One of the most loathsome groups of criminals to terrorize New York in the years following the Civil War. They weren't your run-of-the-mill gang of hooligans here, but rather an organization of rather violent personalities who at times carried themselves like illicit businessmen. The Wyos conquered the streets of New York in 1880 by defeating other rival groups, expanding outside their neighborhood, and innovating their crime sprees in some sort of rather creative ways, at least for the time. Without the Wyos, there would be no Sopranos. But make no mistake, these guys were evil. And I'm about to tell you how evil. So clear the streets, hold on to those children of yours, because here come the Wyos. The dominions of the gangs of New York in the 19th century were places that we've talked about quite a bit on this show. Places like the Bowery, Hell's Kitchen, the docks along South Street, and the Tenderloin District. And, of course, Five Points, that notorious slum just north of City Hall. You can check out our two-part podcast on the history of Five Points for some more information. There's a little plug for our catalog. Gangs first formed in Five Points almost as early as people had started to move into Five Points. Around 1825 or 26 came the very first recorded Five Points gang called the Forty Thieves. As the population of the neighborhood exploded, mostly with Irish immigrants, the number of gangs multiplied. For many of these men and boys, who were all poor and all out of work most likely, joining a gang was a method of survival. Your fellow gang members watched your back, they covered for you, and provided friendship. In many cases, your fellow thug might have even immigrated from the same place as you did. 
By the 1840s and 1850s, these gangs even had political connections and deals with law enforcement to make them look the other way. Some of the most notable gangs around this period of time were, of course, on top of the Bowery Boys. You had the Dead Rabbits, the Daybreak Boys, the Shirt Tails, the Roche Guards, and many more. Five Points had been an internationally notorious stain on New York's well-being for over 50 years by the time the Wyos come into the picture here in the 1870s, early 1880s. One newspaper account describes this gang as, quote, the most venomous, worthless, sneaking, drunken, quarrelsome, and murderous reprobate in the city, unquote. You know, given the fact that gangs didn't exactly advertise themselves or write glossy memoirs, there wasn't exactly a Wyo's historian, if you will. A lot of the details about them can actually be a little sketchy. In fact, there's even some disagreement as to when the Wyo's first appeared at all. They definitely dominated the New York underworld by the early 1880s, but they might have actually begun organizing themselves as early as the late 1860s during those chaotic post-Civil War years. How they got their name is a little bit of a mystery as well, but the consensus is that it's actually derived from a cry that members would shout to each other from rooftops and fire escapes and from the street as they saw a police officer approach, I guess sort of as a warning cry. Some sources even say it resembles the cry of an owl. Why, ooh, why, ooh, um, I can't hear it. A rare push to crack down on gang violence by the police in the 1860s broke up the leadership of many of these old-school gangs I'd previously mentioned, the members of whom dispersed and eventually reformed into sort of new combinations, combinations like the Wyos, for instance. Their core members were most likely comprised of a few members of another gang that was called the Chichesters, though eventually all the remnant gangs of Five Points basically came together to form the Wyos by the 1870s. Their original base of operations was here in Five Points on Mulberry Bend. Like the gangs of the past, the Wyos were still mostly Irish immigrants, even though the makeup of Five Points was beginning to change at this time with this influx of Italian and Chinese newcomers. The Wyos were all men and boys, juveniles to their early 20s. However, many young women, who were often prostitutes, would latch on sometimes as girlfriends and thus would become unofficial members of the Wyos. By 1884, they reportedly had hundreds of members expanding well beyond Five Points to pursue criminal behavior throughout the city. The Wyos brought together all manner of your standard issue criminal, from simple pickpockets to noted and repeated murderers. In fact, in order to be allowed into the Wyos, they say, you had to have murdered someone or very nearly got close to doing it. But that wasn't all. To stay alive in the fast-paced culture of the 1880s, the Wyos had to basically upgrade and diversify. First of all, the Wyos were an early practitioner of what we know today as organized crime. As a way of evading the law, randomly committed crimes were often looked down upon while larger, more complicated criminal engagements like counterfeiting and racketeering were practiced. Many members were business owners themselves, those businesses being whorehouses and gambling houses. Wyo members controlled franchises of gambling panel houses throughout the city. The Wyos literally put a price to their criminal skills, hiring themselves out to the highest bidder to perform any number of misdeeds. A Wyo member by the name of Piker Ryan actually had a very detailed menu of the skills he could perform. To punch someone would cost you $2. This is an 1880s money, keep in mind. Blocking out both eyes would cost you $4. For $10, 
Piker would break somebody's nose and jaw for you. And then for $15 more, he would then follow it up by chewing off their ear. He could perform a minor injury by gun or knife for $25. And if you paid him 100 smackaroos, Piker Ryan would, quote, do the big job. The best part about this list, I have to say, is that it actually says $100 and up for doing the big job meaning that there was some kind of sliding scale there and room for negotiation. So that was Piker. Fellow gang member Dandy Johnny Dolan was known for axe blades installed in his shoes and a device he wore on his thumb, a copper eye gouger, which could remove a victim's eye in one swift move. By the way, he was called Dandy Johnny Dolan, by the way, because he dressed impeccably for a criminal. Or as Herbert Asbury says in Gangs of New York, under no circumstances would he appear in public until his hair had been properly oiled and plastered against his skull. He had a weakness for handkerchiefs with violent red or blue borders and for carved canes, especially if the handle of the stick bore the representation of an animal, unquote. So that was Dandy Johnny Dolan. Some other regular members of the Wyos included Googie Corcoran, Baboon Connolly, Fig McGerald, Dorsey Doyle, and Red Rocks Farrell. It's kind of remarkable that these names once held fear in the hearts of most New Yorkers. Many of these names were regularly listed in newspapers who reported on their exploits with a sort of like romantic fascination, I guess, I guess is one way to describe it. In fact, a lot of times the Wyos were attributed to crimes that they most likely didn't commit out of the sheer reputation of the Wyos by this time. According to historian T.J. English, quote, For a time it appeared as if every jack roller, pickpocket, sneak thief, panel house operator, and jaywalker in the state of New York was a member of the notorious Wyo gang. Their legend grew because they were allowed to thrive, although it became a rallying cry of politicians in the 1880s who were determined to bring down gangs like the Wyos. In fact, many gangs were closely connected with politicians and community leaders. Chief among these unofficial protectors was a man named Thomas Walsh, also known as Thomas Fatty Walsh. He was a saloon owner and later a city alderman who would actually get Wyo gang members out of prison in exchange for coercion services during election time. Now, men like Googie and Baboon and Red Rocks, after a long day of vice and criminal activity, they would gather at local saloons that were particularly noted as being Wyo hangouts. The best known of these might be one of the scariest bars you've probably ever heard of. It's called The Morgue. It's located at 25 Bowery. Now, take this for what you will, but I walked by this address the other day, and the business that holds that address today is a medical supply company. The morgue was most likely named that because many of the clientele most likely ended up in one. It was a scene of almost 100 deaths, either in bar fights or shootouts, or in maybe tippling a little bit too much of that potent firewater, which people joked could be used for drinking or embalming. Absurdly, if you can believe this, the morgue actually even outlasted the Wyos and became a little bit of a tourist attraction well into the 20th century. So, while sidling up at the bar at the morgue, you might get to have a chat with some of the best-known members of the Wyos, the leaders of the group, almost all of whom having committed such a litany of crimes that most ended up hanging from the gallows in the tomb's prison. During the late 1870s, the leader was named Mike McGloin, who expanded the gang's murderous scope and famously coined the Wyos' motto, A guy ain't tough until he's knocked his man out. Well, McGloin, in 1883, at age 21, 
was hanged for the murder of a saloon keeper in the Tenderloin District. Now, following in his footsteps were a duo of surly leaders by the name of Danny Lyons and Danny Driscoll, who ruled the gang throughout the 1880s. Lyons' specialization was as a john, operating a whorehouse with lovely ladies of such delicious names as Lizzie the Dove, Gentle Maggie, and Bunty Kate. He had no qualms dating one of his more successful employees, that would be Pretty Kitty McGowan, and in fact murdered her former John and lover, Joseph Quinn, for the privilege. It was this murder that eventually got Lyons hanged in 1888. And I should note that during a wake for Danny Boy in the Bowery, Gentle Maggie got into an argument with her co-worker, Lizzie the Dove, and stabbed her in the throat with a cheese grater. These were some classy ladies, I'm telling you. Much more well-known, at least to gilded-age New Yorkers, is the case of Danny Lyons' co-leader, Danny Driscoll. Now, Danny, too, here, Driscoll, known for wearing a gray felt alpine hat, would actually spend most of his life in and out of his jails, almost from the time he was a child. He also had a femme fatale slash prostitute for a girlfriend named Beezy Garrity. During a shootout with a rival... Driscoll accidentally shot and killed Beezy. Driscoll's trial was splashed all over the front pages, as the Wyos were, of course, notorious enough by now, and I'm sorry, what New York tabloid can ignore a murder tryst? Although the murder was an accident, this was Danny Driscoll, head of the most ruthless gang of New York. They weren't letting him get away. Driscoll was found guilty and sentenced to hang in the tombs, 1888, the same year as his partner Lyons. As a Brooklyn Eagle newspaper claimed the following day, quote, so far as a hanging can be good, it was a good hanging. With its leaders now pretty much dispatched to that great panel house in the sky, the Wyos slowly fell apart, eliminated by new, greater, and more refined gangs muscling in onto the Wyo turf. There were basically two groups that were the most powerful at this time. One of them was an Italian syndicate that went by the name of the Five Points Gang, led by the Italian prizefighter Paul Kelly, and the other one, the Jewish Eastman Gang, was headed by one of the most powerful proto-mobsters who ever lived, the Williamsburg Brooklyn native Monk Eastman. I'll save the stories of Paul Kelly and Monk Eastman for another podcast. But let's just say by the, by the turn of the new century, both Eastman and the Five Pointers would control the entire New York underworld and usher in a very new world here, a very sophisticated and costly style of gang warfare. The age of the Wyos was over, but a new era of the modern mafia had just begun. Now, if you want to read a little bit more about the Wyos, maybe something a little bit more in depth, you could, of course, like find a little bit about them in most early histories of organized crime, and of course, any book that talks about Five Points history. But I'd also like to recommend a book that's it's been out for like two or three years, but I just read it this past winter, and it's called The Pickpocket's Tale by Timothy Guilfoyle. It's actually about another criminal um, whose name is George Apo, who has a very fascinating story, and part of what makes it so fascinating is by virtue of the fact that he could read and write. So he actually wrote down his version of his experiences, which is really interesting. But there's actually a bit in there about the Wyos and a lot about the underbelly of New York City in the 1880s and 1890s, so it's really interesting. If you get a chance, please check out our blog, BoweryBoysPodcast.com. I won't have a lot of pictures from this podcast as the Wyos didn't exactly carry around disposable cameras taking pictures of each other. However, there's a lot of other stuff pertaining to gangs of New York and just general nuggets of New York City history, so check that out. Thank you very much for listening. Tom will be back in a couple weeks. Have a great New York week, whether you live here or not.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.